Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning. How are we doing? I am so thankful that you're here with us either here in person or joining us online. Um, I try to make it a point to never compliment Brian if I don't have to, but big shout out to Brian for leading worship. That was pretty amazing. I, yeah, I will do almost anything in front of people. I don't get embarrassed easily, but I will not do that. Like, in the words of Meatloaf, I'll do anything for love, but I won't do that. Like, I'll go up here and I'll, I'll do a really stupid dance. I'll make a fool of my, I will not do that. So thank you, Brian. Thank you, John Root, for filling in last week as well, and to Philip for always being able um, to do that. And Merry Christmas. Do we, do we still say Merry Christmas? We do. Okay, I'm getting a lot of glares right now, probably through the screen as well I can feel. Um, I hope you all had great Christmases. I hope you all had a good time with your friends and with your family, able to just have good time. I know COVID messes with things, but hopefully it was still a good time to be with everyone. I had a wonderful Christmas. I got to spend it um, both with my side of the family as well as my, my wife's side of the family. Um, we spent Christmas Eve with my wife's, or with, sorry, with my side of the family. And we got to have, um, I've got nieces and nephews on that side. And so it's great to make Christmas all about them and to just watch them like rip through gifts and open up as much stuff as possible and just, you know, throw abundance at them as much as we can. And the kids only, they didn't like two gifts. And you can guess whose two gifts they came from. <laughs> um, well, I, I, got, I got my nephew and my niece each a book. And my nephew, who's four years old, he opens up the book. He unwraps it and he looks at it and he goes, wow, I already have this. <laughs> and then... My niece opens up her book, and she's about two, and she looks at the book, and she's excited because she's two, and she got a book, and my nephew runs over and goes, we already have that, <laughs> and tosses that aside. Luckily, we got them a third gift, and they opened it, and he just said, wow, I don't have this. <laughs> he didn't say if it was good or bad, he just didn't have it. So that's, that is now the new bar. I just have to get them things they don't have. So next year, maybe a pine cone is in there. <laughs> Um, and then I got to spend Christmas Day with my, with my wife's side of the family, which is amazing. I just adore them, and it was such a great time. They have so much good food and good gifts and good energy, and it's just, it's just a wonderful time. COVID made things um, a little bit difficult, but it's nice to be with people who are high energy. And we, we honestly just had an awesome time, and I hope you all did too. Um, I tend to feel a little weird after Christmas. I don't know if anyone ever feels kind of the way I do. It's kind of jarring, because right now I, we are in what I like to call the holiday haze, and by that, it's just this energy, this vibe, this feeling around the holidays. Because whether, whether it's for good reasons or for bad reasons, we are not in regular life right now, it feels sometimes. We are, we are in this holiday season that we have to put our nose down and kind of get through and sort of fight through and get through. I mean, I have tried to meet with so many people in the last few weeks, and all of them, for right reasons, say the same thing. I would love to meet, but let's wait for the season to be over. Wait for the holidays to be over, and then we can get through it. We need to get ready to get back to reality, back to our regularly scheduled programming. Because right now, we're sort of in a jar. And we still have one more thing to celebrate. We still have New Year's. We have New Year's Eve. And so we're not quite out of this fog yet. But eventually, we will go back to regular routines, regular jobs, regular life, whatever that looks like for you, whatever normalcy looks like for you. And we're going to be out of this holiday haze. And usually, when that happens, we start creating things like resolutions, because we've assessed, we've examined how last year was, how this year was, and then we look forward to next year and we say, hey, I would like next year to maybe look a little different, or I want it to look the same, but maybe more. Whatever you do, and we start thinking of ideas and ways 
to sort of go into the next year. And I love resolutions. I had one resolution a couple years ago, which was to go to every single possible like live band concert I could. And so in one year, I saw 50 concerts. About one a week, it was insane. Stuff as small as six people in a bar to like stadiums full of people, and I just wanted to see every concert. I love resolutions. Um, as I was looking at resolutions, I looked at a little bit of statistics, and who can guess, I think it's a pretty easy guess, what the number one resolution in America is? Oh, you can't hear it at home. It was unanimous lose weight. It is, the number one, yes, is some sort of body change, some sort of eat healthier, lose weight, gain muscle, go to the gym, something like that. There are 68% of Americans put that as their number one. Now, not every American was polled. I was not polled. But if statistics hold up, there's roughly 300, 300 plus million people in America. That means roughly 200 million people want some sort of change to their body for the next year. And that's a whole different message we're not going to touch today. But that is, that is the number one. And usually people's resolutions are things like, you know, read more books, you know, spend more time with family, do one nice thing a day, learn a hobby, things like that. And those are all really, really amazing, and I got nothing against them. My hope for this morning is, as we kind of think back on this last year and look to the following year, look to next year, 2022, is I would just love to simply offer an encouragement. My hope this morning is just to offer an encouragement. Not, we're not going to do some complex theological diatribe, nothing. I just want to offer, walk away with an encouragement that we can take into the next year going forward. Um, and so my, my, my big idea this morning is simply this. I would like for us to try and be more like Christ and trust that we are becoming more like Christ. I want to remember these two words, try and trust. Try to become more like Christ and trust that we are becoming more like Christ. So we're going to kind of break that down as we go this morning. And if you have your Bibles with you, we're going to be in 2 Peter today. And we will have the words up on the screen, but um, I tend to jump around occasionally in text. And so uh, if you would like to keep following, it will be up. But if you want to follow me, we're going to be in 2 Peter chapter 1. We're going to be in verses 3 through 11. So I'm going to read the text in its entirety, and then we're just going to break it down as we go this morning. So if you will join me, 2 Peter. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, virtue with knowledge, Knowledge with self-control, self-control with steadfast, or sorry, with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to make your calling and election sure. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Okay, so that's a lot to start. But we have a, we have a very brief idea of Peter basically giving us attributes of God himself, asking us to sort of try and work on some of these qualities, some of these things that would make us more 
Christ-like, things for us to try and become more Christ-like. And so why should we want to be more Christ-like? I know we say it's you know, our Christian duty and it's what we're called, but what are actually the reasons why we should be more Christ-like? The first reason is, um, this is something that I just, I just love to think about, and I think it says it pretty clearly here in this text, is you know, when it comes to resolutions, we pick things, I think, that are attractive to us. We pick things that are exciting. We, pick, we wanna climb mountains, we wanna learn how to play guitar, we wanna, we wanna have a big body change, we want all of these things. And so I think when we think about some of the lists that Peter has in here, knowledge, self-control, steadfastness, I don't think these necessarily jump out to us as exciting. They don't jump out to us as something we wake up in the morning like, yes, I'm gonna get more godliness today. I don't think we really focus on that. And so the first reason why I think we should try is because I think that these are actually really, really cool, exciting, radical attributes. If you pick up again here in verse three, it says, his divine power, God's divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. God has given us everything through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature. God is a divine all-powerful, all-amazing, all-loving God, and he is allowing us to partake in his actual divine nature. And I don't know if we ever step back and actually think about that. When we think about attributes like grace, peace, faith, virtue, I think sometimes we think of these as really neat Christian qualities. But I think these are actual attributes of God himself that he has given to us. These are actual supernatural abilities we think of peace and patience and things like that in a human way, and those are just human motions, and we hope that we have more of them, but these are actual things that we couldn't have if it wasn't for God. It might as well be Superman's ability to fly. It might as well be the Hulk smash. I mean, these are actual abilities of God. God is endowing us with his idea of patience, his knowledge, his virtue, his steadfastness, his own Godness. We are actually invited to have these supernatural superpowers. I don't think we think about it. patience is a superpower. It's not a nice thing. It's a superpower. It is something we could not have if it wasn't for God. I think these are amazing, crazy, radical, life-changing attributes. And two, I think that to have these qualities is unfathomably beneficial to our life. So he finishes off by listing the qualities and he picks it up again in verse eight. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to make your calling and election sure. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Peter makes it pretty clear here that having these qualities and understanding that they're increasing helps us to be effective and fruitful with Jesus, helps us to get to know him better, helps us to be with him, to be more connected. To not have these qualities is to be nearsighted, to be blind. Peter kind of has a very black and white idea here, right? It's, it's, it's good or it's bad. There's no, there's no neutrality here. To have these qualities, if you practice them, you will never fall. To have these qualities, you will never fall. 
Now, I don't think, by never fall here, I don't think he means you will never make a mistake again. I don't think he means you will never say a bad thing again. I don't think he means you're going to be perfect. But what I think he means here is that you will never eternally fall. You will never go to that final fall, that final place. You will be forever secure in Jesus. Which then he goes on to say that you will be richly provided entrance to the kingdom of heaven. Not for a second do I think Peter is suggesting here that you need these qualities in order to get into heaven. I don't think that's all here. Saved by grace through faith. We, die, we, we, get, we get to heaven, we get entrance into heaven because of what Jesus did, because of what God did, nothing that we did. It's all a free gift of grace. But what Peter is saying here is that these qualities help to give us assurance. Not insurance, assurance. They help us to be secure and confident in our place with God. That if we, want, if we love God, we work on these qualities and we see they're increasing. We see God working in our lives. We are effective and fruitful in the knowledge of him. They keep us from being ineffective and they allow us to become more like him. To try and be more Christ-like is to radically change our lives for the better, for our joy, for our happiness. And they help us to be more confident in our relationship with him and our place. When we finally eventually go home to God, He's going to look at us and say, thank you. I appreciate it. I love that you worked on these. Now, these are the things that I think should be, quite honestly, our lifetime resolutions, is to be more things like this. And if if that actually is the outcome of following these, I'll never fall, I'll be assured of my salvation, I'll be assured of all these things, that it's actually part of God's nature that I get to participate in, how come I'm not that excited about working on these? I don't know about you, but for me personally, I don't wake up in the morning and I'm just amped. I'm amped for steadfastness. Maybe it's because I don't fully understand what steadfastness is. Some form of patience and waiting. <laughs> but I don't wake up and I'm not just amped for virtue. I'm going to read these qualities one more time, starting in verse 5. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue. Virtue with knowledge, knowledge with self-control. Self-control with steadfastness and steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. As I read over these and studied them and prayed over them, I realized there's one thing that's really interesting about, and it's not just these qualities in this text, but it's qualities mentioned all throughout scripture. Patience, joy, peace, faith. It's that all of these things are unquantifiable. In meaning... They're not tangible. You can't see results. You can't see progress. You can't hold these in your hand. You can't look at someone. You can't look at your life and say, wow, I think I've gained more godliness. We can't hold any of this stuff. It's not tangible. And mostly, the things that we focus on, what we try to, our goals, are, are things that we can hold on to. Because at the end of the day, for better or for worse, we are addicted to progress and result. That is how we run our lives. We, and I'm not saying that's necessarily a bad thing. Results and progress are a way that we can assess if what we're doing is working, right? If you wanted to lose weight, so you started eating a certain way, and after eating that certain way for months, you don't lose weight, okay, you didn't get the result you wanted, so you change it. Having results and progress is not necessarily a bad thing, but we, we are, it's so much easier and more motivating and encouraging when we have those things, because if they're not working, we change them, and if they are working, they're motivating. I mean, If you can step on a scale and see numbers change, that motivates you or demotivates you. 
When we want to read a book a month, we get to see that book and we get to quantify it. We get to say, I get to read this whole book a month and we get to quantify it. We love results. They're, they're helpful. It's one of the biggest reasons why I love sports. I have loved sports my whole life and one of the biggest reasons is because you can constantly see the progress a player is making, a team is making. You get to see numbers and analytics and I love that. It's the reason why I loved playing sports. I loved seeing that I was getting better. I loved seeing that I was progressing. When I played lacrosse, I, I loved seeing that my mile time was getting faster. I loved seeing that I was, um, you know, getting faster in my sprinting. I loved, we had, a, we had a, um, a speed gun that would clock our shot speed. And I loved seeing, and I would go to the gym, and I'd work out with a ton, and then the next week I'd go and I'd shoot a ball, and it was two miles per hour faster. Up from 17 to 19 miles an hour, way to go. But it's easy to see progress. It is so enticing. It's actually the reason why I fell in love with rock climbing. I absolutely love rock climbing. My wife introduced it to me about three years ago. And rock climbing has like two main ways you can really see progress. One is if someone has set a rock climbing route, it's graded. Every single rock climbing route is graded. You can go and climb random rocks, obviously, and that doesn't have a grade, but everything set has a grade. And so I do something called bouldering, which is sort of climbing without a rope, but not very high. So I don't do any of that crazy, like hundreds of feet without a rope, I will have a rope on. But if I climb, I'll climb somewhere between five and 15 feet without a rope, and you just kind of climb. And they, the scale is the letter V, followed by a number. So V1, V2, V3. But you can actually see as you're climbing, like if you're getting better. If you climb for three years and you never go past a V1, maybe there's something wrong. But you get encouraged, you're like, oh, I did a V2 today. Oh, I worked hard, I did a V3. There is something so enticing and invigorating about seeing progress. And then also with rock climbing, you are literally climbing up, and there's tons of holds when you climb, and so maybe on your first try, you get to the third hold, and you fall. Then the next time, you get to the fourth hold, and you fall. Next time, the fifth hold, and you fall. And even though you're falling and you're failing, you're still kind of excited because you get it a little bit further, a little bit further, a little bit further. But the truth is, is that we don't have that with these qualities. I don't have an app I can just pull out and say, wow, Brian, you got to level three love. Way to go, man. I beat my personal godliness record by six seconds. I am 17 times more steadfast this week. We, we, we don't have a way to do that, and so it's hard. We have to simply trust that these qualities are in us and that God is working on them. We have to trust that they're being worked on even if we can't see them. Just because we can't see the progress, we can't lose heart and not focus on the things of the, of the heart, of the soul, the inner qualities. My, uh, my wife and I, in the last few months, have switched to um, plant-based diet. Um, and it's not a moral reason. It's not an animal reason. It's simply um, our choice for certain um, health reasons. And the, tr the truth is, is I'm have, finding a very hard time being motivated to be vegan because I can't see any results. You know, you know uh, we're not doing it to lose weight or to gain weight. We're doing it simply so that our guts are healthier. <laughs> and I can't just like wake up and go, oh, is my gut healthier today? I can't look at it. I can't see it. I can't assess it. I just have to trust that in 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years, I'm going to be healthier than I was now. I just have to hope and trust. I can't see the actual things being changed. If I could have a device that would like, every morning I could hold it over my stomach and it's like, oh, your stomach's 10% healthier. Cool. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> but it's the same thing with matters of the heart. We don't have an ability to assess, really, 
if we're getting better or worse. We honestly just need to trust that God is doing something in our lives and that he's with us. Another thing that makes it difficult is a lot of the things that we do, we achieve, they have an end date. You know, especially New Year's resolutions. Like, I'm going to do this for one year. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cut off sugar for one year. You know, and depending on your end date, that actually makes the task harder or easier. If I was to ask any of you, don't eat meat for a day, but might be a bummer, but you could probably do it pretty easily. If I was to say, don't eat meat for a year, you'd say, nope. <laughs> Why would I ever want to do that? That's way harder. But also, that's easier than saying, don't eat meat for 10 years. Having an end date is helpful. We get to look forward. We get to look for this finish line. But with things like this, Jesus, Peter, God, they don't give us an end date. We don't get to say, hey, just try and be patient for three more weeks. Just try. These are lifelong goals. And similar to, you know, I got to hope that my diet is going to help me in four years. We just got to hope and pray that God is doing something even when we can't see it. We got to hope that when we work on these qualities and we pray about them, when we, when we try to get them, that in 20 years, we're going to be more loving. We're going to be more patient. We're going to be more kind and gracious. We're going to be the salt of the earth. We're going to be the light. Because it's super easy to lose heart and not focus on these because they're not, we're not confronted with them every day. When I look in the mirror, I'm confronted with my face every day. I have to look at my face and I say, oh, maybe I should change my hair. Oh, maybe I should wear something else. Maybe I should do this. I'm confronted often with my intelligence every day. In conversation, I'm confronted with these things. But I don't know, I'm not as aware of things of the heart. I'm not as aware, I'm not confronted with them every day. And the truth is, is that Peter knows this. Peter knows that this is a problem. I don't have it up on the screen, I'm sorry, but he goes on in the very next verses. So we ended on verse 11, verse 12, he starts this, he says, therefore, based on what I just said, I intend always to remind you of these qualities, though you know them and are established in the truth that you have. I think it is right, as long as I, Peter, am in this body, to stir you up by way of reminder, since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon, as our Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me, and I will make every effort so that after my departure, you may be able at any time to recall these things. Peter knows that these are things that even though you're established in the truth, even though you know who Jesus is, even if you might call him your savior, we're going to forget about these things and we're gonna get hung up on all of the optics, the things that we can see. We're gonna get hung up on learning a new hobby. We're gonna get hung up on getting that promotion, on getting that new car, on fixing that relationship. And I'm not saying any of that stuff is bad. I am not, I promise. What I'm simply suggesting, like Peter, is that we are prone to forget the things of the heart, the things that can't be seen. Faith is defined as the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. There is something about the things that we cannot see and that we need to trust that when things are going on, the chaos is around us, that they are still there and that we can still work on them. And so just as Peter is trying to encourage these people, to keep working on these qualities, to keep trying to be more like Christ, trying and trust that they're going to be working in the same way that he wants to encourage them. I, too, today, want to encourage myself as well as you that we need to work on these qualities. Keep them in our minds. Keep working on them and trusting that they are being worked even when we can't see them, even when we can't analyze. But as we go into a new year, all of that stuff we want to work on is great. But to always have the umbrella of, man, I want to work out more, that's great but still under an umbrella of, 
How, how, how am I working on self-control? How am I working on grace? How am I working on knowledge? How am I working on love, brotherly affection? How am I working on trying to be more Christ-like? How does learning a new hobby help me be more Christ-like? Because at the end of the day, that is the most important thing because it allows us to be closer to God. It allows us to be assured of our salvation. Um, Philippians, Paul says in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, he says, um, he believed that he, Jesus, who began a good work in you, will bring it to completion at the end day. He trusts that even though there's something we can't see, Jesus is working and he is continuing to be with you. And that is my ultimate encouragement today, is as we, as we end this holiday haze, as we end this chaos, as we go into a new year, is just to remember that there's things going on inside of us that we can't see and they, that they shouldn't be ignored. That we have the opportunity to become more like Christ every day. We have the opportunity to wake up and be more like God than we were the day before. And that is amazing. But it's going to be difficult to see if it's working. It's going to be difficult to see. And so we just have to trust that we are, that God's working on us. He's not giving up on us. So I want us to fight the good fight. I want us to keep persevering. I want us to keep being with one another, keep loving each other, keep working on becoming more like Christ. Because that's really all we can do in any day, no matter what happens in your day. If your day ends with you becoming a little bit closer to Jesus, there's no bigger success. There's no bigger success than getting closer to Jesus. That's all he wants from us. He wants us to be Mary sitting at his feet, sitting next to him. And scripture is riddled with um, expressions of, um, you know, how we will have treasures in heaven. We will have treasures in heaven. And that we do this stuff even though there is no exact end date. But we keep working on them knowing that when we pass on and hang out with God, we get to be with him for eternal life. He's going to look at us and say, man, well done, my good and faithful servant. You worked hard for me. I love it. I love it. He will delight in what we get to do, and we will have assurance while we're here. So my hope, my prayer, is that as we go into the new year, there's going to be more chaos, I'm sure of it. We, live in a, we do not live in a chaos-free world. We live in a world full, full of chaos. But that we don't lose heart or forget the inner qualities, the spiritual qualities, and we work hard to be more like Christ every single day. Will you please pray with me? Heavenly Father, God, we thank you um, that with all of the craziness of life, this holiday haze, everything going on, God, that we remember and thank you that you sent your son, a child, to live a perfect life in our flesh, in our blood, just to die a horrific death so that we could be in community with you, so that we could love you, that if we were on our own, God, we would be totaled. We would be destroyed. We would be crushed. We would destroy ourselves. But that you have gifted us your son, and you've gifted us the ability to become more like you. You've gifted us the ability to grow in who you are. God, I thank you for the bountiful joys that you provide for us. I thank you for your amazing plan and your amazing son. God, we praise you in this place, and we pray for us. Safe, safe holidays, safety from COVID, and God, we just, we praise you in this place, and we lift up your name. Amen.